Well, hey, friends, we are so glad that you're here joining us for the Love & Truth Network podcast. Whether you're tuning in through a connection with Love & Truth Network or through Transforming Congregations, thank you for joining us. And we have two upcoming episodes that I'm pretty excited about. I was asked to join a friend of mine, Caleb, on his podcast. He's a pastor out of the Tampa, Florida area. And he asked me to join him and just for a long form conversation that lasted for a couple of hours. And we uh, have his permission to repost this on our uh, podcast platform so that our folks have a chance to see and hear uh, just our conversation. And uh, it was a great conversation. I love uh, Caleb's candor, great questions, just his heart as a pastor, just shines through so clearly and so easily. And I hope you're really blessed by these two episodes that are coming up. But I had a pornography addiction for 10 years as a worship leader. I surrendered my life to Jesus truly in middle school. Like it was mm-hmm. real. You know, I had the conviction of the Holy Spirit concerning sin. It was real. I was a religious kid that grew up in a Christian home. I knew all the things that I shouldn't be doing. And I was trying not to do those things, uh, but I was failing constantly. But then as a 22 year old man, you know, I was internally tormented, could not break free of it as a believer, as a Christian. And that was such a horrible space to be in. There's no one more miserable than a Christian who's doing that because he's living or she's living contrary to this new nature that God has given us. I just said to heck with God, that's a nice way of saying it. And sure. with God, hate the church. God, I'm done with all this crap. And eventually found uh, uh, my first gay bar at the age of 19 and felt like I'd finally found my people. Uh, there are many times I contemplated suicide, things like that, just all inside. Never yes. told anybody. It was all inside. It was a war. And the Lord had to come and deliver me and preach the gospel to mm-hmm. me. A year later, the Lord said to me, you don't have to struggle with pornography anymore. Wow. When I And it just broke. It broke. Yep. And that it was amazing. And it doesn't mm-hmm. mean I... Um, that was back in 2012. That doesn't mean that I never fell to temptation again. It just means I had I had a real addiction. Eight to 10 times, maybe 12 yes. times a day, I would watch porn. Mm-hmm. And then it broke and I actually lost taste for it. You know, the essence right there is, is what you just said, Caleb. I mean, the reason we named our ministry Love and Truth Network is that we're firmly convinced that once you take love out of truth or truth out of love, you have neither one of those. Hello there, Gary. How are you doing? Hello. I'm doing well, Caleb. How are you doing? Great to be with you. Yeah, great. This is one of the first times we've been able to just actually talk. We're uh, true. <laughs> we are both apparently very busy people mm-hmm. and for good reason, right? Busy yep. about the father's business. But right. you are uh I met you through Joseph Matera mm-hmm. and the Christ Covenant Coalition Network, and we've interacted there and talked a little bit on the phone, but really was uh, just excited at the chance to talk to you, get to know you more here and to introduce people to you um, as an amazing minister uh, with Itinerant Ministry, Love and Truth Network. I'd love Mm -hmm. for you to just to spend a few moments introducing yourself and your ministry and letting people know just right off the gate how to get in touch with you or or get more resources if along this podcast they Mm -hmm. desire that. So take it away. 
Yeah. So <clears throat> I'll kind of jump in the middle and, and touch on either end of that. So I was a pastor in uh, a sizable church in upstate New York for uh, 12 years. Um, I was brought in, I came to that church really broken and just a, a wreck, uh, a lot of relational addiction, sexual addiction in my life. Mm-hmm. And, and so the church just really helped and blessed me. And over the course of time, something I never even dreamt would happen. I wound up um, sharing with the whole church of about a thousand or 1200 people, my story. And they, the church wound up hiring me on staff, maybe a year and a half or so later. And mm. it's just been this journey of, of again, uh, 12 years. And eventually I was overseeing the very counseling ministry that was so impactful in my life and also wow. leading and in, in working in the men's ministry that was so impactful in my life. So it was just, the Lord just brought me kind of full circle there. My wife and I, Melissa is a licensed Christian counselor and mm. we felt the Lord prompting us, um, kind of kicking me out of my comfortable nest of being at the church and into more of a, what began is sort of in my mind, a regional ministry and then expanded very quickly into a national ministry called Love Mm. and Truth Network, which you've already mentioned. We've been doing that now for 10 years. And um, prior to all of that, before coming to the church, I grew up in a Christian home, but really wrestled with um, same-sex attraction, had had some early um, uh, sexualization, sexual abuse that had happened in my life, and then uh, some some big relational gaps, uh, a, a lack of connection with my dad, really over-identification with my mom and one sister, and um, just a lot of confusion around all of that. Of course, the church was not equipped to do anything on those topics, nor did they really want to, at least many ah. of them, uh, the church <laughs> that I was going to at the time. And, and so just really wandering, struggling alone, just stuffing everything. And that's not a good recipe for freedom, <laughs> freedom or no. transformation. So no. it wound up blowing up and, and I left Bible college, um, went back again, got kicked out eventually because they were concerned I was suicidal. And then, mm. um, I didn't, they didn't have the means to, to really walk with someone in that place. And I just said, heck with God, that's a nice way of saying it. And sure. with God hate the church. God, I'm done with all this crap. And eventually, found uh, uh, my first gay bar at the age of 19 and felt like I'd finally found my people. And uh, Mm. so I lived in that space for quite a while, um, became a bartender at a gay club, and but eventually just began feeling this kind of erosion of my soul and what felt like euphoria and freedom in the beginning felt like bondage after a number of months and years. And it was very hard to leave that world, um, but I felt like... uh, God was drawing me out of that place and was recasting. I, I had such a twisted vision of who God actually was. And I, I in many ways, I think I, I attributed a lot of um, Satan's characteristic characteristics to God and, mm. and just, you know, because where were you when, you know, why did you allow these things to happen? Sure. How does a good sure. God fill in the blank? And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean that, and so that eventually led to just a, again, just a very thumb thumbnail sketch but a lot of years of brokenness, misery, uh, try some highs, but a lot of lows and, and just a, a pretty consistent, um, dissatisfaction with my life and myself moving from one relationship to another, <clears throat> um, over and over again. And it was just a very unstable, um, existence and God in his mercy, um, just kept wooing and drawing me. And eventually I, I realized he's not who I thought he was. Uh, mm. He's different than all of that. And yet also I had all this truth that had been poured into me as a kid. And uh, I came to genuine faith in Christ when I was 23 and surrender. That was the key ingredient. There'd never yeah. been surrender in my life. 
And, and after that, wow. I mean, the, there was a, a whole new world, but I went, I got into a failed marriage very quickly, uh, uh, about two years after um, surrendering my life to Christ, leaving the LGBT world. And, and that marriage only lasted about three years before my wife decided she wasn't <clears throat> in love anymore and wanted to leave. Mm. And, and I wrestled with all of that and tried to reconcile for about a year before she actually filed divorce papers. And, um, and then it was over. And I was, again, really angry with God for why, wait a minute, why didn't you do sure. more to heal this? And, and uh, over the course of time and allowing these seeds of bitterness and um, unresolved issues with God to form in my life, I wound up back in the LGBT world now as a Christian, whole different experience, uh, mm. this battle that was going on inside of me. And, uh, and again, God in his mercy led me out of that place for maybe four years after all of that. And, um, and brought me to this church that I mentioned earlier. So I know that's kind of a hodgepodge of no, it's great. <laughs> throwing it all together. No, it's great. I'm going to ask you a lot of questions now because sure. this, right. this is exactly the reason for this podcast. We're going to have real open conversation with Christian thought leaders who are advancing the kingdom in all different ways. So, um, but before I do that, I do want everyone just to catch it that loveandtruthnetwork.com. If you're listening now, you're listening later, that is the place to go to right. hear more. And that is the place to go to get resources, et cetera. Uh, we might jump back to this page, but loveandtruthnetwork.com. Uh, you can even go there now if you don't have time to listen to the rest of this or watch Can I just comment real quick yes. while that's up there, uh, Caleb? So our main emphasis in ministry is on equipping pastors and Christian leaders and and Wonderful. believing that, you know, if we can equip the church to be more effective in the space, not just of LGBT, but frankly, the bigger concern of of the, the rampant stage four cancer of sexual brokenness in the heterosexual <laughs> space that's in every church. Um, if we can help the ch uh, churches become more effective in uh, creating environments of of vulnerability and trust and safety, but also transformation, then you know we can multiply uh, and and exponentially impact um, uh, people's lives in a way that we can't individually. So while we do some, uh, you can see on the screen that there's yeah. you know we're here for strugglers and friends and family, and we do want to be here, but our main emphasis is church leaders. And, and equipping the church to do the work of ministry and to get whole themselves, ourselves, to be able to, to have an integrous witness, not just words, um, while we ourselves are so broken. And statistics show just how incredibly broken uh, the church actually is when it comes to sexual wholeness. So true. And I love that. And that was the angle I was going to start in with you mm -hmm. talking about just the, the epidemic of sexual brokenness. But you have this... Uh, podcast you have yes. uh love and truth where where can people i mean they can start listening on the website but if they want to go directly yeah. to it is it on itunes where yeah it's everywhere so um it, you know google and on um uh, spotify you know the major uh uh podcast platforms you just look for love and truth network podcast and and you'll find it great that's wonderful so yeah. the main heart that you have and you're a leader of leaders is to equip the church to have healthy conversations and approach and actual what you needed like you said the, the church you're at wasn't equipped and kind of didn't even want to maybe touch it with you know i know right. a lot of places like that and maybe people listening are are in that situation so if you're a leader if you're you lead a ministry or a church you need to reach out to gary immediately um, through the website or just at the very least start listening to the podcast, get informed. Uh, I've been greatly blessed by your uh, explanatory, you know, the moments in our CCC uh, mm. calls where you've been able to explain even 
the perspective. And you just mentioned something um, interesting that you had uh, contact with the LGBT community at one phase in your life. And then you had it again as a surrendered Christian after you surrendered your life to Jesus and yep. then you came back to it. And those were very different experiences. I want to get into that, but I just want to say it at the front here right now that um, I just want to say to everyone listening, I know Gary to be full of mm. compassion and full of Jesus. And so if you're listening to this and you're already feeling kind of triggered, if mm. you're watching this and you're like, whoa, oh no, here we go. You right. know, just hold your breath, take a breath mm -hmm. because Gary is, I would not have you on here if I thought you had any shred of hate mm -hmm. in your heart towards humans at all. Right. You don't. And so can you speak to some of that? You've just reverbalizing some of the things I've heard you say about the compassion element and the whole love and truth dynamic. Right. Well, and, and, you know, the essence right there is, is what you just said, Caleb. I mean, the reason we named our ministry love and truth network is that we're firmly convinced that once you take love out of truth or truth out of love, you have neither one of those. And, um, and, and I, unfortunately we're living in, in a society that that is operating, you know, under, you know, the, the phrase, your truth, my truth, his truth, her truth, right. whoever's truth, um, it, it, truth just becomes really convoluted. But even within the church, truth becomes pretty convoluted. And, and then when we're not combining love with that, you know, Jesus was full of grace and truth, mm -hmm. uh, not 50% of one and 50% of the other, but I mean, he was full of grace and truth. And I think that's, we're called to embody and to, to live out, um, you know, who he is. And while we don't do it perfectly, we can strive to do it better and better all the time. And, and I think that really is, you know, the, and, and the other thing about that I would say about love too, is even the word has been completely co-opted <laughs> to mean something other than what it actually means. So unless, um, unless we are celebrating, uh, and this isn't just in the LGBT space, this is about anything, unless we're yes. kind of celebrating what somebody wants to do with their lives or the fact that they've made vows and commitments to a spouse and this spouse loves them and they have children, but yet they're dissatisfied somehow and they want to just kind of dump that that relationship and move on to something else and go find themselves. Well, it, you know, these days, the way that love is being portrayed is if you love them, you're going to affirm their decision. When right. in fact, no, I mean, what about the people that are being left in the wake of this? And ultimately, what about the the life of that individual? Because that that kind of seeking is not going to lead to thriving in any way, shape or form. So so sometimes love is um, it can be challenging, you know, um, and but if I love someone truly, I'm not going to I'm not going to know that the bridge is out down the road and not tell them as they go flying by or try to get in the middle of the road and stop somebody because they don't know that it's out. And right. I, I'm going to actually try to prevent uh, them from going further if I can in any way that I can. Um, and so, you know, we believe that that's really an important part of our role. And, and then again, coming back to that integrous point, it isn't just about telling others, you know, what to do or what they should do and then not living it out ourselves. One of the things with pastors, I just wanted to come <laughs> back to you really quickly is, we do work with pastors and leaders to equip them to minister to their congregation and to their communities in this broad sexual brokenness space and relationships too. But in addition to that, we recognize that many pastors are dealing with their own porn issue. Yes. They're dealing with their own sexual brokenness issue. They're dealing yes. with um, unhealed areas of their lives that leak out 
to their families and leak out to others, especially their families, because that's the only quote unquote safe place. They've got to have it all together, you know, supposedly as a pastor and and no one can know about their brokenness. Well, the ones that suffer the most are the ones that they, they love the most because it just, it, it, it ultimately leaks out. They can't contain it when there's all that brokenness there. So our ministry is two parts with pastors. It's helping them get whole and and real and vulnerable themselves for those that are struggling in those ways. And it's, and then it's helping to equip them and others that are not, you know, there certainly are plenty of pastors that are not uh, wrestling with sexual addiction. Uh, and, but regardless, we want to also help them to shepherd others well in this space. It's beautiful. I love how you, you're focusing on the, the internal work um, of the pastors in such a major way, because that is so vital. It's an open part of my testimony. Maybe you've not heard it yet, but mm-hmm. I had a pornography addiction for 10 years as a worship leader. Praise God in uh, 2021, 2022. It was uh, since I was, yeah, 2022. Um or not 2022, I'm sorry, 2012. It's funny, my mom got healed. It was a radical thing. Mm. So that's a whole thing. My mom got healed through me when I didn't believe in miracles. A year later, the Lord said to me, you don't have to struggle with pornography anymore. Wow. When I, and it just broke, it broke. And that it was amazing. And it doesn't Mm -hmm. mean I, um, that was back in 2012. That doesn't mean that I never fell to temptation again. It just means I had, I had a real addiction eight to 10 times, maybe 12 times a day I would watch porn. Mm -hmm. And then, it broke and I actually lost taste for it. Yep. The Lord did yep. that. It was a sovereign mm-hmm. thing. That's not everybody's story. Right. Um, I understand that, but that's what the Lord did for me. Yes. And I'm so grateful. So I was a worship leader at that time for those those 10 years and mm-hmm. hated myself, total hypocrite. So yes. I totally empathize uh, with the with the person you're ministering to. I would have needed you, you know, 10 years ago uh, or plus. And so I'm grateful that you're out here doing this. Well, and, and so, that... What you mentioned there, Caleb, and the, one of the, the phrases that I've realized from my own life is there's no one more miserable than a Christian who is who is living a compromised life, whatever that looks right. like uh, uh, in patterns of compromise. There's no one more miserable than a Christian who's doing that because he's living or she's living contrary to this new nature that God has given us. You know, we exactly. still deal with sin issues, obviously, but but we've we've actually this metamorphosis has taken place from exclusively being identified as as a sinner who can't help but do that to now a right. saint who still has a flesh who still struggles with sin but yet we we actually are a new creation and and we're 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 working to live that out we're um uh we're working out our salvation with fear and trembling as the scriptures say but uh but man we can get caught up in some pretty in some very serious addiction and again the the misery of that when we know that we're called to something else and we have this witness of the holy spirit within who thankfully is not just letting us go so there's this battle and that was that was part of my when i went back into the lgbt world uh the second time around that's the space that i was living in and that's what made it abundantly yes. different than where i was the first time hundred percent. I, I just totally relate to this because I mean, like I said, I, I mean, I surrendered my life to Jesus truly in middle school. Like it was mm-hmm. real, you know, I had the conviction of the Holy spirit concerning sin. It was real, you know? And, um, I, but then as a 22 year old man, you know, uh, it just all the way up to there, I just was, I was internally tormented, could not break free yes. of it as a believer, as a yeah. Christian. And that was such a horrible space to be in. And um, again, had a lot of self-hatred because of it. I didn't present that on the outside, 
But uh, there are many times I contemplated suicide, things like that, just all inside. Never told anybody. It was all inside. It was a war. And the Lord had to come and deliver me and preach the gospel to Mm -hmm. me. Like, let me tell you again. And really, the key was that Jesus didn't just pay for my sin. He paid for my sin struggle. He paid to set me free from sin. And he said, you consider yourself now dead to sin, no longer Mm -hmm. enslaved to sin, right? Right. You're a slave of righteousness. That the Romans six, you know, that whole, Mm. that had to come to me through the Lord. The Lord had to come to my, uh, my space and say that. And so I thankfully did. Uh, but I hear you saying the same thing that this is the, the, it's actually some not worse, but it's, it can be sometimes more traumatizing to be a believer struggling against these things than someone who's just in the world and doesn't have that that new nature and doesn't have that new uh, plumb line or barometer that's pulling uh, them into something different. If I'm hearing you correct. And you yeah, live I, that out. Yes. And so the, so for example, just to kind of springboard of what you said there, you know, I was a religious kid that grew up in a Christian home. I knew all the things that I shouldn't be doing. And I was trying not to do those things, uh, but I was failing constantly. And so yeah. there was, there was a, um, uh, a sorrow and a frustration, a lot of frustration in myself because I, couldn't seem to measure up. And why am I accepting Jesus as my, I mean, my, my form of accepting Christ as my savior when I was little, as I look back on that, it was almost the, the, the imagery that comes up all the time. And I think about that as me with a genie's lamp, trying to rub it the right Right. way to get my three wishes. Right. That was, that was really how I viewed God, you know, and then, and, and I wanted, and also I wanted fire insurance. Like I, this yeah. whole health thing wasn't sounding so good. And so no. I definitely didn't want to go there, but right. I wasn't so sure about him either because the, the, um, I, again, hearing lots of truth, but then the confusion, I love my mom and dad. They've gone home to be with the Lord. I'm so mm. grateful to be their son today, but man, I hated my father growing up, uh, in, in my teenage years, I wanted to be nothing like him. And, and I just rejected all of the, the things that I viewed as bad. And, and this, what's referred to as, um, um, uh, what's the word, um, defensive detachment really against my Mm. father, because he wasn't, he wasn't really coming toward me. He really just left me to be raised by my mom mostly. And, and my, my one older sister, and I have three older brothers too, but the, um, I'm the youngest. And, and so this frustration with my father and eventually got to a point where I'm just, I was done and, and really went into that long phase of just really hating and wanting nothing to do with him whatsoever. And, but it was in that space, I'm hearing all of this, these truth in church, but in my church experience, as well as in my home experience, I wasn't experiencing much by way of love or compassion. Certainly, right. certainly not the idea that we live in vulnerability with one another in the body of Christ <laughs> or even in our own family. Like, you know, we just didn't talk about things. I'm sure that people listening to this can relate to families that there'd be explosions or there'd be this or that. And then you just sweep it under the carpet or you just don't talk for three or four days. And then suddenly you just kind of pick up somehow and, and, and nothing gets resolved. And so that living in that space, I was so confused. And that's what twisted my head about Christianity and also about God. And, um, and, and, and I just felt like I was this, eventually I got to a place where I felt like, I don't feel like a man. I don't, I know I'm not a woman. I didn't, I didn't really struggle with transgenderism. Although Mm -hmm. if I were born in this culture, if I were 12 or 13 in this culture, there ain't no doubt in my mind that that is absolutely the road that I would, would have gone down um, Mm. today. But I just, I felt like I was this cosmic joke. Like I was this third gendered thing that didn't fit in 
in either space. And I didn't understand, you know, again, who I was or how I fit in. So that's the lens through which I, wow. I ex- experienced my, you know, my Christian family, the Christian church. Right. And with, with again, no, no space, no invitation to unpack any of it. You know, mm. discipleship was you sit with a pastor around, you know, a, a table and he didactically tells you, um, this is what the, what it means to be a Christian and you're done. Like, Ooh, you know, great. That was discipleship. <laughs> right. And of course that's, that's, that's a piece of it. I mean, not the didactic, but the conversation and the theology sure. and all of that, but you know, I needed the relational connection. So hundred percent. And you're, you're just hitting on something I think is so important that uh, even on your website, I'm just gonna pull it again. It says led by rescued people. Mm. Um, what, what does that mean to you? That, that phrase led by rescued people. Cause to me, it says that you're not just some guy with a, a bully pulpit or some guy with a theology, right? You're a guy with an experience. And earlier you said even that Jesus wooed you, you know, yes. continually and still is. So what is what does that phrase mean to you and why is that so important it's on the homepage you know like, Yeah absolutely like, well it is it is important to us because both Melissa and I um you know came out of so much sexual brokenness ourselves Melissa had had three long term relationships with men um and then in it uh I think it was uh, George Washington University um where she was, she was engaged to be married. And the more, the closer she was getting to that, she was doing great in school. I mean, everything was going well for her and she's getting more and more miserable. And finally a friend said, Hey, have you ever thought of dating so-and-so? And so-and-so was a woman. And Melissa's like, uh, no. And, and, and like had never really considered that at all. And then as soon as that question was asked and she began to contemplate why am I so miserable? What is going on with me? She began to wonder about that. Well, eventually that led to kind of the exploration in that space. And mm. she she started a real, she broke off her engagement, started a relationship with a woman and felt like, oh, this is what I've been looking for my whole life. And um, and so both of us, you know, come out of, I mean, I, I spent a lot more time in the LGBT space, but certainly she did as well. And that really solidified that sense that um that 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 sense from being with this woman that wow, this, this is what I've been missing. This is what, what I've been looking for. And, mm. and so both of us certainly have had experience of, of the wrestling, the struggling. I also wanted to come back, and this connects with what I'm sharing right now, but come back to what you had shared, Caleb, about the Lord showing up and really delivering you. And I love those stories. And I've, I've had moments like that as well, but I've also mm-hmm. been one who's heard that kind of story. Like if people, if those that are listening now and be like, you know what? That's great that that happened to you. Good you know, where I'll hear people say, but for the grace of God, well, that's true, but where's the grace for me? You know, right. and, 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 uh, you know, as a corollary to kind of your, your experience, um, I've known Melissa and I know hundreds and hundreds of people who have come out of the LGBT world to follow Jesus. And, um, and we've known a few that have gone back as well, but the vast majority have stayed out, have continued to walk with Christ have, and this has been a discipleship process. Well, every single one of us, and I, and I'll say for myself in spades, I wanted the darn pill. You know, I wanted to rub the genie's lamp. One of my three wishes was make me straight, you know, take away all these desires, and I couldn't understand why God, you know, when I'm praying to him as a kid and a teenager and begging him to take these things away and he's not doing that, why aren't you doing that? Well, right. somebody who's who's maybe bought into pro-gay theology may say, well, that's because he made you this way and this is the problem. No, I, I don't believe that and I'm not being ugly about it, but I believe, no, it's it's a brokenness, but here's the key. 
I didn't want the discipleship process. I, and I didn't want the journey. I just wanted the event to happen. And so for most of us, what I started to say is out of those hundreds of people, I know two people who had a sudden experience with God where they had a miraculous reorientation and, Mm -hmm. and they went from being exclusively same-sex attracted to being very quickly being opposite sex attracted, getting married and all of that. Well, everybody I knew in this space was like, what about me? You know, right. we're, I, I often joke that the rest of us kind of hate those two people. I mean, we don't really, but <laughs> right. that's what we wanted. Right. And instead, whether it's, whether it's LGBT or it's this deep, deep pornography addiction that by yeah. the way, is meeting a need. Like that's, that's the thing it's yes. doing. It's meeting it in an illegitimate, it's meeting a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. And, and so um, whether it's whatever it is, the truth is God, for most of us, um, for most of us, he leads us on a discipleship journey and a, and a process of discipleship. And in the beginning, I'm like, no, thank you. I don't want that. I want the instantaneous thing. But what I've realized now is, and I still experience some same-sex attraction. My wife still does. I mean, out of all those people, except for those couple that I told you, we all still deal with some level of same-sex attraction, which, and, and now for us, it's like, who cares? Big deal. I mean, what, it doesn't rule my life the way it once did. And it did. Um, it doesn't prevent me from being a good gift as a dad to my boys or a good uh, gift to my wife as a husband or her to mm-hmm. me as a, as a wife. It, it doesn't get in the way of any of that. It's just, it's this, it's, it's a, it's a ongoing surrender, but also by God's grace and mercy, there's been a diminishing as I've stayed away from that. And I've leaned into the good. I've leaned into what he's really called me to do as he's given me more of a kingdom perspective. And I've, I've really, uh, two things I think that are so important is that um, I believe every person was made for a sense of deep belonging, really yes. being loved and cherished, wanted, desired, uh, that there's affection around that. Uh, and, and when I say that, by the way, um, I don't mean just affection between a husband and a wife or a boyfriend or girlfriend, but I mean, I mean a kind of affection even between brothers that we rarely see in the body of Christ and between sisters. I mean, women tend to be that way more and and that seems more passable. But I think that we all were made by God for this deeper communal connection. And then secondly, we were made for a vital sense of purpose. And I had none of that in my life, you know, growing up mm. and and throughout so much of my life. And when the Lord began to um, pour that, and like, I didn't even have language. I didn't, I didn't know I needed that. I mean, I was always out desperately trying to f- uh, find somebody to be in relationship with so I could feel better about myself, but I'd never made those kind of bedrock connections. Right. And and so when those two things come together and we have that deep sense of belonging and being cherished and loved and and just um that kind that sense of home with others and that's what the body of Christ I mean that's one of the aspects of what it's supposed to be which is rare frankly on you know to have that depth of of connection and then secondarily to have that kingdom perspective, to have an eternal perspective. Oh my goodness, that changes everything. It doesn't mean that there's not still temptation or still worldly pulls, but it's so much easier to say no to those things that once I was devouring and feeding off of when I, when those two things are, are really filled up in my life. Does that make sense? Yes. hundred percent. No. And I love that you, you, uh, you're talking about this because I want to ask some Maybe they sound ignorant, but they're really just loaded questions, if that's okay. <laughs> you know? Sure. We'll see when we get to each question, I guess. But no, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. I'm, I'm no, happy. I mean, yeah. 
you know, because you just hit it. Like I have talked to a lot of people. I have, I have friends. I have lots of, you know, uh, connection with those who are struggling with same sex attraction. Some uh, who say it, it is a part of who they are. Mm-hmm. Others who say it's not. Others who, uh, you know, point to brokenness. Um, others who say, you know, I was born like this. Right. Uh, those type of things. So let's just drill in on it. Isn't yep. it, isn't it, um, what does it mean that you still have same attractions, same sex attraction, but you are not gay? Like, mm-hmm. cause you're, I don't hear you saying identifying that I am gay. Right. But you have, what, cause that seems to be a very convoluted reality or paradigm for a lot of people. Can you just sure. talk through that from your own story, your own perspective? Yes, absolutely. So, so there, there are four big views. Well, I'd say three big views in the church on LGBT and, or yeah. And the first one being, I would say is like full on pro gay theology, like a person who believes like Matthew Vines, Justin Lee, uh, there's, you know, all kinds of others who have written books on the topic and believe that God made them uh, gay, that homosexuality is on par with heterosexuality. God blesses gay unions, et cetera. And, and more and more we're seeing the church, we're seeing churches shift to that perspective. And, um, and so, you know, that, that's one perspective. I, which I don't hold, uh, I would have liked to, I tried to at one point in my life and we can talk about this if you want to, but at one point yeah. in my life, I really tried talk to reconcile those two things. What's that? Talk about that. What did, what did uh, that look sure. like for you in that process? Well, so for me, um, is it okay if I mention the, the, the three categories and then come back sure, to that? Sure. Yeah, 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 right. yeah. So then the second one, I'm probably ADHD. So if I get off track, I mean, hopefully <laughs> you'll bring me back again. I'll but bring you, know you back. What I'm saying. All right. All right. So on the second one, it's, um, uh, it's, it's not pro gay theology, but it's celibate gay Christianity or what's often referred to as side B, um, LGBT Christianity. And, and so that perspective, which is really taking the evangelical church by storm is this idea that, well, we know what the, we see clearly what the scriptures teach about sexuality and about marriage, that God's intent was for sex to be expressed between one man and one woman in the context of marriage. So there's agreement about that in, in this group, not in the former group, but in this group. But the 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 huge fault line that I see here is that they while they say that there's also this embracing of an identity that they hyphenate to their Christianity. So an identity that if I were to act on, they would acknowledge would be sin. But this idea that it's good and wholesome and, and healthy to own that identity and to and to really embrace it and to bind it to their Christianity and to make sure that others know this about them as well. Like this is who I am. Um, I think that's a, a, a massive issue as well. I, I, and I can explain more of that. And then the, the third category, there's, there's a couple of others that are kind of closely knit together, but I'll just kind of combine them. But it really is more of a transformational ministry perspective, which is where I land, which is not, and, and by the way, that's not conversion therapy. It's not, yeah. oh, God pulls out his wand and poof, you know, you're, right. I just explained how I wanted that and that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but rather it's this, again, journey of discipleship that that uh, in, in this in this journey of obedience, you know, to to him and this journey of surrender and working out what that looks like and 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 allowing the Lord to do 
things in our lives that we could never have imagined, but that he's not going to front load and say, if you do this, I will do this for you. It's simply, are you going to surrender? I've given you everything. I've given my son. He's laid it down his life for you. And, and, and if that's good enough for you and you're willing to surrender to me on that basis, do that. And by the way, I have a whole lot of surprises for you in the process as well. You know, I mean, the fact that I am married uh, to my incredible wife, Melissa, who's no wallflower. She is a strong, she's from New Jersey. So that kind of says it all. Jersey and then, girl. Um, yeah, exactly. She's not going to, she doesn't get walked over at all. She is a, she's a strong woman. And, um, and the fact that I am, I am delighted to be my 12 and 14 year old boy's father is, yeah. I, at one time in my life, I wanted neither. I thought I would be a horrible father. I thought there's, I had nothing to give to a woman. And so, and mm. I, I, and nor do I have any desire. I was repulsed by that. Well, not everybody is going to, we know lots of people have come out of the LGBT world and, and community to follow Jesus. And, and they've gone on to just live single devoted lives to him, open to what he has for them in terms of relationship or marriage. That hasn't happened for them, but they found meaningful service. They've also found that sense of belonging in the church. And, but we've known others that have gone on to get married, but that's not gonna be everyone's story. My point is, is that God has good things for us that we can't even imagine uh, uh, in the space that we're in when we're kind of bound up by this stuff. So going back yeah. to that first category of what's referred to as pro-gay theology, you know, that there are many denominations that have completely embraced that. Yeah. Uh, there are lots of individual churches that have embraced that too. And and would people and, know that as like they're called affirming churches? Like yeah, affirming yeah, exactly. To, yeah. That's right. They're, they're affirming churches. And and so um, there was a time in my life where, I mean, it, it just, it felt like this is my identity. I mean, this is, this is what makes me happy. This is what makes me feel fulfilled. I desperately need a man to be in my life in order for me to, 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 to feel like, you know, much of anything. And, and it just seemed like that was my completion was in, was when I was in a relationship with a guy. And, and so I, I just thought there was some season in my life where I thought there's gotta be, I mean, if God is good, then certainly he couldn't have allowed this to happen or for this to be part of my identity uh, or to be my identity. And, 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 but I can't act on it. I can't live this out. And so I just began to, to really search the scriptures and, you know, what's often referred to as the clobber passages, you know, basically three in the old Testament, three in the new Testament, and just began to search the scriptures for um, kind of looking for something that was, left out something that was misinterpreted sure. uh, something that, that that gave me basically uh, an opening to be able to combine christianity and uh, my my same sex attraction and the lgbt world and 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 to my great dismay i mean i just i it just just looking at the passages and reading through them and even in trying to extrapolate, well, maybe this means this or i could not find anything that allowed myself to settle uh, for this idea that this would be okay with God, that somehow, that it, you know, okay, so he hasn't blessed it, but is it okay with him? Right. And I just couldn't settle on any of that. And it wasn't just the passages that speak so clearly Romans one, uh, by the way, Romans one is about so much more than just LGBT, obviously. Yeah. Um, and, but first Corinthians six, nine through 11. I mean, there's, I, I couldn't find anything in these passages, you know, setting aside the old Testament and saying, well, you know, 
I think the I think the Old Testament is very relevant to us today. But even if I were to disconnect the Old Testament from today, that you still have these New Testament passages. And then in addition to that, there's not a single positive reference in all of Scripture that even hints at homosexuality being something that God blesses. And if the Holy Spirit inspired Scripture, and and also this this to me this nonsensical idea that Paul just like nobody knew about monogamous gay relationships back in the day, right? Like they were, this is some new phenomenon that was never experienced, uh, that it was only, you know, abusive relationship, abusive sexual kind of conquering situations or, or idolatrous prostitute or um, pedophilia that those were, of course that was going on right all over. But the idea that there weren't mutual adult relationships that were that involved same-sex attraction it, 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 back then to me is just is just ridiculous that that's a foundation for an argument so i just none of it made sense to me as much as i wanted it to so everything in me is leaning in this direction and i honestly i'm so grateful that i didn't have the confusion of 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 what's been so popularized now as pro gay theology when i read mm-hmm. those books now and i've read them um you know i can see how they're so appealing to the individual who's struggling, as well as to moms and dads who just want life to to go back to normal, uh, and and to be able to, as Christians, be able to to say, okay, well, my son is gay and his partner's here, and he's just a part of our family, and everything is is good and normal and healthy, and and that's that's so much that's desired, and I can understand how the the writings and the teachings and things like that in that space can be so compelling. And, and, but when I read it now, I'm like, oh my goodness, this is, this is built on a house of cards, uh, sadly, mm-hmm. but this is what I was looking for and trying to reconcile myself to at one point in my, you know, now, whatever it is now, 30 years ago, probably. Yeah. So how long was that season? And, and you're, you're, a, you're an academic guy, you're a diligent, you've read, you're not just talking about that. Like you actually did a dive, you actually studied for yourself. How, what was that? Yeah. How long was that season? Like just roughly. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, during that 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 season, it was, I don't know how long it was. I mean, probably over the course of maybe a year or so, but also, yeah. I mean, my life was pretty chaotic. Again, I was, uh, I would say the thing that characterized my life in that season, even though I was looking seriously and trying to figure out how to reconcile these, these two worlds uh, that really are not compatible. Um, right. I mean, Jesus is calling us out of these places to come into light, right? And and so this darkness and light do not mingle well together, and nor were they intended to. And as I'm trying to reconcile these, I was also living the an unstable life. And mm-hmm. and so you know, I wasn't I wasn't sitting in the library, you know, for hours on end uh, for a year of my life. studying these things, but, but certainly it was a part of my going back constantly and trying to figure out how to reconcile these things and, and be okay, you know, with God and okay, spiritually in the midst of all of it. Yeah. It wasn't a three-day curiosity. No, no, it wasn't. Definitely not. You you didn't read a couple articles and call it like, okay, you actually looked it through. And so I did, but, and then eventually got to a place where I'm like, okay, I, I can't find it, you know, I, right. and, and, and now that didn't, that didn't mean, oh, well, I'm going to leave the LGBT world. It just meant, well, I'm kind of screwed. I mean, I'm not sure what to do here. And this still feels like this is who I am. And I just kind of, again, lived in that space for quite, quite a while longer. Um, and, and until surrendering my life to Christ at 23. 
Yeah. And I want to keep pointing this out and couching it because there's been so much talk about this and there's been so many people speaking the way we're speaking without any love, without any compassion. And even if you're listening now and you're hearing like, oh, he's just saying this in such a cold. I mean, this man has, I mean, you're speaking from the compassionate rescue and love of God that pulled you into something better. And you're advocating that for others. You're not just saying y'all are out there trying to prove something theologically and you're a bunch of, you're so dumb and it's not there. You know, even the phrase, it's a house of cards. Like I could hear people just cherry picking things and saying, oh, he's being so harsh. You were one that was literally like pulled in multiple directions and we're looking for a justification for that. Yes. For that. And very disappointed that I, that it felt to me like a house of cards. Like I, again, I, I wanted the justification and I, I wanted something to support this, the, the combining of these, of what seemed like two different worlds. And I just, I couldn't find it. So part of what I'm sharing even in, and maybe being a little bit more blunt or whatever is just kind of my frustration at the time. Um, sure, 100%. but then also there's a frustration now where I feel like, man, if, the, if churches are embracing and endorsing this, I know that they're doing it out of, I, I have no doubt that they're doing it out of the best of motivations. Like I, and, and they're, they want so much to to lead people to Jesus and and to have open doors and I love all of that but the question that 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 I have then is but if we're not loving on the basis of truth right and we're not sharing the true gospel what we wind up doing is um is leading people to a version of of the gospel using similar language but missing the conversion um altogether the the spiritual conversion that god not not conversion therapy the spiritual right. conversion that god calls us to um of of exchanging our life for the life of christ and right. and dying to ourselves that we can be resurrected again and and so that that does frustrate me that the yes. church is actually misleading out of a motivation of love, but missing the mark altogether. Was it you that used the term unsanctified mercy? Was that you or was that? I don't think so. No, that's a new, nope. Uh, That that probably was Dr. Brown. Yeah. That that's how I've, yeah, it's unsanctified mercy. It's, I want to be merciful to this person in a way that God actually isn't being merciful. You right. know, and so I just and so want to I'm clarify more merciful a couple than God is, right. is kind of that I, viewpoint, right? Let me show you God how to be merciful if we, right? Yeah. So, but you know, when you say out of darkness and into light, I know some people may be watching this or listening sure. or are going to say, He just called me darkness. He just said, I'm evil. He said, I'm not in the light. Yep. And I love Jesus. And so I can just hear the, uh, you know, the pushback on that. But what you're talking about is the activity of darkness and and the allure of darkness. There is a dominion of darkness that right. leads you into destruction. And I always point out, like First Corinthians six, you know, it says the greedy and the idolatry. That's right. And the sexual. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, the- I often refer to that as your all screwed passage, you know, that, I mean, it really hits practically all of us. And then the good news is in verse 11, such were some of you, right? Such were some yes. of you. Yes. And there's the rescue, right? right? Such were, so we can't hang our hat there and say, well, you know, it's, but I love to, so, you know, I, I make a joke often, like people are like holding that sign that says God hates gays, you know, oh, yeah. I, I want to put a sign up so it says God hates grumblers. Cause the word revilers is yep. in there and have a right. arrow 
<laughs> you know, but yes, I, I was at an event a few years ago um, and, and Westboro Baptist, we had the joy yeah. of Westboro Baptist being there on the, I'm saying Hallelujah. joy in. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, on the opposite corner and they had their bullhorns and they were just screaming at, at, at the, at the crowds and declaring that we're all going to hell and, you know, God hates fags. And I mean, all this horrendous vitriol that is just so disgusting and Horrible. um yeah so yes i've seen that live and in action and and honestly of course that is anything but uh the heart of god that is anything but christian um and there's so much hatred and bitterness and i don't i don't even know what all caught up in that and sadly to me they wind up getting so much of the sort of so much of the headlines that that then gets kind of transferred onto the broader church. And yes. uh, so it's it's not, this is the other thing too, is it's not just the the sweet, nice, progressive churches or Westboro Baptist. And I feel like that's kind of the conundrum that we're in. No, you really can walk in that balance of love and truth and, and, and be what Jesus calls the narrow way, right? I mean, mm -hmm. to walk in that narrow way and to, and, and to encourage and lead others into that narrow way, why does the path that leads to destruction? Um, and many are those that go therein, right? But but narrow is the the, the way of life. So anyway, I yes, I, so I, yeah, absolutely. And I, the way we've tried to tackle this at the resting place in Tampa, and it's not been popular with everyone, and I don't really care. Um, but is that we're non-affirming yet inclusive? Yes, and because I will include a greedy person, mm -hmm. I will include someone who worships worships idols like their job or themselves you know mm -hmm. i'll include the sexually heterosexual immoral person right right but we're not going to affirm greed we're not going right. to affirm lying we're not going to yep. affirm homosexuality because it's it's not the way of wholeness it's not mm -hmm. the way of christ but the way we present that really matters like yes that it really does matters. and that's why you're saying this love and truth like most people they're advocating truth without any love at all and it's not true anymore i love right. how you started the whole thing with that so and it's not love to leave out the truth and say listen lying is going to hurt you right. and sexual immorality is also going to hurt you all yep. kinds of sexual immorality and there's there's a ton of heterosexual immorality. We've just seen even another leader, major leader, you know, Mike yes. Bickle yep. and all this stuff from IHOP. It's like, it's like, it's like a monthly thing now. And yep. over the last, it's, it's horrendous. It's horrible. Mm -hmm. And God will have none of it because he wants a pure bride, not yes. for the sake of her being some type of like holier than thou entity, but for the sake of her living whole in wholeness in him, in the kingdom yep. of God, the, the light you know, mm -hmm. so walking in the light as he is in the light gives us fellowship with one another. The The results of living in his ways is we actually have that connection, that deep longing of connection that you talked about earlier. Yes. That every human being has. And so he's saying, here's the way to have your healthy needs be met in a healthy way. Walk mm -hmm. in the light. Walk yes. in the light as I'm That's in right. the light. So, and, and I think it's just, I've said it, but I think it's important just to reiterate that, again, it's for for anyone who's feeling like uh, that that is dealing with same-sex attraction or identifies as gay or trans, uh, transgender or yeah. any of the, you know, part of the LGBTQ plus community, uh, you know, our, our ministry and our focus is not just in that space. I mean, right. we wind up talking a lot about it because it's kind of the centerpiece of culture and a lot of churches right. are are feeling completely, you know, ill-equipped here. But we are always saying, look, church, we've got to back the truck up. 
because you want to talk about transgenderism, like it's almost like a yawn on on gay and lesbian these days. You want to talk about transgenderism, but you've you're you're bypassing these two important categories. But more importantly, you're also bypassing the massive number again of men and women heterosexually who are addicted to pornography, who are having affairs, who are having sex before marriage and coming to church and thinking nothing of it. And so, you know, it's not just it isn't about shining right. a spotlight. And, and it's also not this idea of like, who, why do you care what goes on in someone's bedroom? It, I don't care what goes on in someone's bedroom in that sense. What I care about is that, that what goes on in our bedroom and what goes on in our private spaces is a reflection of the true person within. We can mm-hmm. all put masks on. We can all we all we all put new clothes on every day to go out into the into the world. But in addition to that, we put on our our face, our our um, our image, and and we project that image. Well, living a uh, living a double life or a triple life, you know, living in that way is very destabilizing. I mean, James talks about this this yes. lack of stability in a double minded man or woman. And so our our desire is to see people who are really becoming formed and reformed uh, in the into the, more and more the image of Christ and to walk with one another in openness and genuine love, genuine compassion, and and to be a strength and an encouragement to one another along the way. I mean that it's it's not about sticking right. our nose in and someone's you know private business. It's it's wanting to see people genuinely thrive. And the and the, here's the thing is it's not just it's not based on my who cares about my opinion or your opinion or anybody else's. Right. It's a, what does the Bible say? What does the author of life tell us? And that's what we want to base this on. Absolutely. I heard a friend say recently that our relationship with Jesus is personal, but it's not private. We're a part of a body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, there you, you got go. a personal relationship with Jesus, but it's not completely private. It's like yep. you when one part of the body suffers, the whole body suffers. That's right. When one part of the body rejoices, the whole body rejoices. So if you're continually walking in suffering, even intentionally, then we're all feeling it in one way, shape or form. Again, that fellowship breaks down, right? So what would you say to someone who is like, well, Gary, I hear what you're saying. I see it biblically. I mean, because there's going to be people who are like, nah, these guys are bigots. They're just going to, they're going to say that. I'm sure you've had your fair share of that. Um, These people are, I've been told, you know, I'm bait and switch, things like that, because I'm like, we love everyone. We honor everyone. We empower everyone. And you cannot say in our church, um, I, I want to lead a ministry. And yes, I'm in a homosexual relationship, just like you can't say I'm going to lead a ministry and I'm sleeping around and I'm going to lead a ministry and I'm lying to my boss. Like you can't know. So there's, but there's this, this, this fight. You, you're well, you well aware that there's this fight though, when it comes to homosexuality, um, transgenderism, Mm -hmm. because it's now identified as a people group, right? Yes. So what would you say to the people say, well, this is my my tribe. This is my people. This is where I found acceptance where I didn't find it in the church. And you're now saying, I can't, how do I go re rework that and find acceptance somewhere that doesn't accept me in my struggle? Maybe they're there, right? Like there's mm-hmm. the, I am this and you need to accept me for what I am or else. I don't think there's anything to say to those people. I mean, on it, honestly, until you get through that, like I can love you, but if you need me to affirm your action to accept you, then that's a false paradigm that I'm, that's right. a playground I'm not playing in, right? Yep. So I don't yep. say that to them. I don't say you need to accept everything I believe or else we can't be friends. Like, I can't right. ever say that, right? So that that that's a false paradigm, but getting out of that and into those who say, well, this is where this is where I found community. I can't find it because 
over here, those people stuck in that place. Like, yeah. do you have an answer? You might not have an answer. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. Please join us next week for part two of this interview.